Hello, friends, and welcome to the Art of Home podcast, where we are exploring how homemakers cultivate a place to belong. I'm your host, Allison Weeks. I am a wife, I'm a mom, and I've been a homemaker for over 28 years. Whether you prefer the title of homemaker or home economist, family manager, or lady of the house, this podcast is here to encourage and inspire you in the worthy occupation of homemaking. In today's episode, I talk with my friend, Sandra Goforth, about her passion for simple homemaking. We discuss her transition from working as a school teacher to staying home full-time and educating her own children at home. We talk about prioritizing intentional, unfussy hospitality and the beauty to be found in the mundane. Sandy shares some memorable stories about her worst homemaking fail and a life-changing trip to her father's homeland, Ireland. Besides being a veteran homemaker for over 40 years, Sandy is a published author, blogger, and teacher. You can find links to Sandy's website and links to purchase her book in the show notes, where you'll also find episode chapters and links to books, articles, and other resources that we mention in this episode. The show notes are available in the episode description box, as well as on our website, theartofhomepodcast.com. So keep working on dinner prep or weeding the garden while you enjoy Sandy's story of home. All right, tell us a little about who you are today, Sandy, and then we'll go back and trace your homemaking story from the beginning. I am a mother of four. My oldest two are 42 and 41. And between the two of them, they have eight children. So I have quite a few grandchildren, but then we had a 10-year break. And then we had our 31-year-old and our 29-year-old. And the 29-year-old is married and has a baby. So she is number 14. And my hobbies are, I love, absolutely love decorating and changing furniture. Whenever anybody comes to my house, they never know where anything is going to be. <laughs> and I love thrifting. So oh, I, cons- I, I consider myself to be a non-consumer, but we can talk about that yeah. more okay. later. So anyway, that's the basics. Okay, <laughs> awesome. Well, let's talk about your beginnings in homemaking. When did you first become a homemaker? I first became a homemaker in 1976, 45 years ago when we got married. I was a teacher. And so I divided my homemaking time between the classroom grading papers, trying to get organized for my school day, and coming home and cooking and cleaning and doing laundry. So it was a little hectic and Mm -hmm. a little crazy back in 1976. Mm -hmm. And we had our first baby after two years. Two years. Okay. Yeah. Wow. All right. So were you thrown headfirst into the homemaking this, as far as the skill goes, or did you have some sort of training when you were younger? Did you grow up with brothers and sisters? Sure. My mom was a pastor's wife, and she always had to be ready at a moment's notice for traveling missionaries to come through oh, okay. and the last minute meal. Mm-hmm. And she was really good at that. Mm. She was definitely not fussy. My mom was calm and cool and introvert, not your typical. Uh, pastor's wife out front. She was a background person. Mm -hmm. And she did teach me a lot about homemaking, not using very many recipes. 
So therefore, when I started, I just remembered how she did things and didn't always have a recipe book out. Well, that's good. That's a gift mm-hmm. to be taught that skill because that's that is a skill to be able to do that. Um, so the next question is, who did you learn from? So you learn from your mom. Um, anybody else? Did you have grandmothers in your life or aunts or anybody else that you might have learned from? Well, our family came from Canada. So we traveled every summer up there to Ottawa and other places in Ontario for family vacations where mm-hmm. I would be in my aunt's homes. My grandmother made wonderful biscuits. Her meals were simple, so I knew then that that was where my mom got her skills of just being very basic mm-hmm. and and yet tasty. Mm-hmm. So those were very brief, brief influences regarding homemaking because it was just during those summers. Uh, my ba- dad, as a pastor, traveled from state to state, so we moved for several years and ended up in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, for the bulk of my teenage years. During that time, my mom just would say, I need you to take over. And I would have to pull together the gravy and the potatoes. And then she would come in at the end and and uh, we would do the final stuff. So mm-hmm. I had a great beginning from the ages of like 16 and 17, mm-hmm. just being happy in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. What about other skills? How 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 well did you you know do laundry or were you expected to help clean? We had to clean every Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. We had to clean our room. We had to dust the house. We had to vacuum. So Saturday was a cleaning day, and I certainly did not mind that. We were paid a small allowance after that was done. So on Saturday afternoon, we could go and get candy or something from the store. My mom was a an upholstery making curtain making seamstress, quite gifted, mm. and all, also she made all of my clothes. I didn't really take the time to learn that from her. Mm. Sometimes I would sit and watch her, and one of the things that she said was, "If you're going to sew, you have to be willing to rip out." Mm-hmm. And I would watch her rip out something that was elaborate that she had done. It wasn't perfect. And I was basically, nope, not (laughs) interested. (laughs) So I did. So when I was a young homemaker, my children's very, very simple little jumpers. And I made my bedspreads and a few curtains, but always very, very simple. Mm -hmm. Not anything like my mom did. But I was so grateful because I learned how to sit at a sewing machine and do basic things. Yeah, yeah. And But we, yeah, we did it all. The toilets, the uh, vacuuming, and uh, very little outside. Not so much gardening. Mm-hmm. Um, my, m- my growing up years were nobody in our home had a green thumb. Oh. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. Uh, did you have any favorite resources that you used? Because now we have the world at our fingertips as far as resources go. If we want to learn how to wallpaper a wall, we just Google it and we watch a YouTube video on it. But when you were coming up as a young homemaker, where did you go? Where did you turn if you wanted to learn something? 
Hmm, that's a great question. We had the phone. Mm-hmm. There was no internet. Right. So I could call. We had the library. Mm-hmm. I could get a book. But I think I really relied on the little tiny three by five cards that I had gathered along the way from mm-hmm. my mom mm-hmm. and my sister. My, my sister was an amazing cook. Way uh, in her teen years, she outdid me. I, my interest was not in that area of mm-hmm. homemaking as a, as a late teenager. So my resources were basically picking up the phone. Yeah, which is a great yeah. resource. <laughs> so um, for which skill did you have the steepest learning curve? What was, what was the hardest thing for you that you just really didn't, you just really didn't know anything about and you had to just do a deep, deep dive into experience to learn how to do that? I'm going to say organizing and time management. Mm. Um, My mom was organized behind the scene. I didn't get to watch her do that. Okay. And it was hard for me. Mm -hmm. She was just good at it. For instance, she never had a teapot with with tea stains. But when did she bleach those teapots? <laughs> Never around us. So I had to learn as a young homemaker that you had to clean those teapots with a, um, a little bit of bleach water mm-hmm. to get the, the stains out. Yeah. And, it, and so it was an organization and time management issue for me. Okay. But this was something that you learned, and we'll mm-hmm. talk a little bit more about yeah. that. Yes. Um, okay. So just organization. I think that's a huge, for most of us, that's, mm-hmm. that's a big learning curve to just learn how to, how to manage your time and your resources well. And that's actually our next section that we're going to talk about. Uh, did you work outside the home? You already said you did mm-hmm. initially. Um, okay. So tell us about that. What challenges did that present? Well, I kind of alluded to the fact that it was hectic and um, picking up, keeping the house picked up. And I loved hospitality, so I loved having people over. But mm-hmm. when it was time to get ready for that, I had a great decision, hard decision. Mm-hmm. Do I focus on the house, getting the house beautiful, or do I focus on the food I'm gonna mm-hmm. going to make? So because my mother was a simple cook, I would go the easy route mm-hmm. and with food, and I would try to get the house picked up. Mm-hmm. Everybody has their direction they're going to go when if they want to entertain. And my direction was more towards having the fluffed up pillows and all the clothes off the floor and, you know, all that <laughs> stuff. Because it was little, with little kids, it was really hard, you right. know, getting all those toys put away. And Well, if you're going to have guests come over, it's nice if they have somewhere to sit. It is. It helps. It yes. doesn't matter if you have a wonderful meal to feed them. If there's no clean dishes to feed them that meal on or there's exactly. nowhere for them to sit down, that's yes. a problem. Exactly. So I was thrilled if I had company over in those early years and only had a great big, huge bowl of popcorn and a plate of store-bought cookies. Mm-hmm. Just let's talk. Yes. You know, it was yes. the conversation that mattered. I love that. So, so. do you work, you said you worked in the beginning of your marriage and you were a teacher. Mm-hmm. And how long did you 
work outside of the home? Well, thankfully, that did not last very long mm-hmm. because I got pregnant so quickly okay. with the second child. And uh, my husband saw that getting two children ready for daycare and going to work was just going to, well, he might actually have to commit his wife to a mental institution. <laughs> it was that bad. And so he he redoubled his efforts to be able to bring in the income we needed for me to stay home. And I really appreciated that. I honed my skills of saving him money. I tell you, that was probably the most rewarding part of being a homemaker was being frugal and loving every minute of it. So it was not very long. The kids were like three and two when I got, when I came home. All right. All right. So we're talking about balance in homemaking and resource management and all of that. So tell me about your goals and and the priorities and how you and your husband worked that out uh, on a yearly or a five-year basis and then how that would affect how you set your priorities and your schedules for, for daily life. Mainly, we were just surviving from Mm -hmm. day to day, Mm -hmm. and my husband was such a a grateful mate for everything that I did Mm -hmm. to help him and to make our our life sweet and happy at home. So the resource that I called upon at the beginning during those early years was a book. It was a planner, a combination planner. And devotional by Linda Dillow. It was called Linda Dillow's Priority Planner. And in that book, she basically helped helped women to prioritize their day and their time. Mm-hmm. And there was a place on there for prayer, a prayer list, and there was a place on there for planning goals. Now that stuff I didn't really fill out because I was just so happy to be at home with my children and making the day-to-day work. Mm-hmm. So when later on, when we be, began homeschooling, the children were like five and, and six when we started homeschooling, or maybe four and five, actually. Uh, it was not legal. We were doing something that was in North Carolina, in the Supreme Court for its legality, but... When my husband found out about homeschooling, he felt like that was something that uh, we should do. So it threw me into an era of taking one year at a time. Yes. Because how is this all going to play out, taking the kids out of kindergarten and doing the homeschooling thing? So I... um I have to say that long-term, we really didn't think that way. I knew when the children were like six and seven, those little ones, the first ones were six and seven, I knew that I would like to have more children. Mm -hmm. It was this uh, real huge desire of my heart. And so when our youngest one was 10, that dream came true. Mm. And we were able to have two more. But we didn't plan it ahead. It was kind of like, okay, let's go ahead and and try for this. Mm -hmm. 
So um, planning was me with the Lord mm-hmm. with uh, a little notebook. And I loved to read just women's books. Um, there was a book published in the 50s called Woman to Woman. I can't remember the author because I've long since loaned it out, given it away. Mm-hmm. But it was just a great book about setting priorities and mm-hmm. enjoying being at home. Awesome. Does awesome. that answer that question? It does. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we can, as homemakers, we, can, we have a lot of freedom um, with our, how we use our time and how, not so much when you have very littles because you're pretty much just managing them and their needs all the time. But you still have some freedom. Like I used to say, uh, when the babies needed to be fed in the middle of the night, um, I would get up, uh, cause I nursed all my kids, but not for a very long time. And so we did some bottle feeding and I would be the one to get up in the, in the middle of the night and feed the kids. And I, I didn't do it begrudgingly because I could sleep in a little later or I could take a nap when the baby took mm-hmm. a nap, my husband would be off to work. He didn't have that luxury to be able to take a nap in the middle of the day if he didn't mm-hmm. get enough sleep that night because he was up with the baby. You know, we shared that responsibility when it was required. But anyway, um, I totally, I totally get that. And I was more appreciative of that than maybe a lot of other women who just became homemakers right at the get go. Mm-hmm. I didn't get married till 26. Okay. I was very close to 27 and had had a career. Mm-hmm. And when I had those babies and I walked around the house with no papers to grade, I would pinch myself and I would say, I'm not preparing a test for tomorrow. I don't have a stack of essays to read. I loved the fact that I could have more control over over my day. Well, that's good. That's great because you do have more control over your day. And there's things that need to be done. Of course. So, the, mm-hmm. you know, the question, I guess what I was getting at was how did you decide, okay, when is the laundry going to get done? And when is the grocery shopping going to get done? And, mm-hmm. you know, what will I spend my time on? And what will I have to say no to so that I can say yes to something else? Uh, setting your priorities in that way. That's kind of what I was getting at. Well, I did not have a certain day I did the laundry or a certain day that I went shopping or a certain day that I dusted and vacuumed. It was too out of my, hmm, what, what would be the right way to put it? Um, my brain wasn't able to make that consistency a priority. And Mm -hmm. I didn't see the necessity of that for myself. Okay. As long as we got the groceries that we needed, and as long as the laundry was started early in the day, Mm -hmm. so I'd usually get up and try to get the laundry going early in the day. And as the children grew older, I made it a priority to have dinner planned by 1030 or 11, the evening meal planned, Mm -hmm. so that I knew throughout the day, what I needed, what I needed to do, when I needed to start. Mm -hmm. So I took the whole homemaking thing as a delight and a joy, but not a pressure to do it at a certain time. Okay. That's great. Does that, is that answer that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about expectations. Uh, Coming in, especially 
at 20, almost 27, having been a career lady, you just said you felt like you were in a wonderful dream to have the freedom that you had. But the day-to-day reality of homemaking, it can become drudgery. It can become something that you think, I didn't actually sign up for this. When Mm -hmm. you're up to your eyeballs and dirty diapers and and dirty Mm -hmm. bottles and all of those things that can be really difficult, or even later on in life when you have other challenges. Mm -hmm. So how did the day-to-day reality of homemaking match your expectations or not match? Or did you just not have any expectation? Okay, so to absolutely agree with what you just said, we hit a wall really early on as far as um, the pressure of doing everything, of getting everything done. Mm -hmm. We wanted to be involved in the homeschool movement and go to the state house and talk to senators. We wanted to do a lot of cool things that were in church. We wanted to teach a Sunday school class. And juggling homemaking and raising the young children with that was really, really hard. But as a preacher's daughter on being in the preacher's home, I don't feel like I was at all aware not even slightly aware of the pressure my mother was under Mm. and the stress of of that life. I was in school and having a ball. Mm -hmm. So I think it was a huge reality check when the children were like eight, nine. We were past diapers. They were involved in lots of activities, and it was, what, what do I cut out? What do I want to get involved in? What do I what has to be done. Mm -hmm. And what you said is so true. The homemaking part of it can just become so pressureful Mm -hmm. because you want to do other things. Yeah. Yeah. So you can come, you can come to um, just, I don't know, sort of begrudge the work because you're thinking, Oh, I should be out doing this thing or this other thing. Uh, like you're talking about going and working for legislation towards something that was really important to your family and you wanted to be a part of that movement. So I guess there's a challenge there to balance what we're doing right now in our home with our young children can feel like it's unimportant, can feel like it's just monotonous and drudgery, but there is value in that. But how do you balance not having a life outside of that, but how do you balance pursuing some things that you may even feel called to pursue uh, with the day-to-day of running a home and taking care of lots of kids and all of those things? Yeah. Uh, Getting up early enough, um, trying to plan meals ahead as much as possible, um, making the bed as soon as you get out of it, having lots of charts. My goodness, I had the refrigerator full of to-do charts and um, chore charts for the children with rewards and um, columns for the weeks and that kind of thing. I think that I kept my sanity that way. Mm-hmm. Did that allow, and that probably allowed you some margin in mm-hmm. your life mm-hmm. um, to be able to then decide, okay, we, mm-hmm. we do have a little bit of space here to, to maybe get involved in this other right. thing. 
one of the things that we had in our uh, chore chart was what did the children need to have done by 930? Mm. And that list, they could do it in any order Mm -hmm. they wanted. Mm -hmm. But everything in that particular grouping had to be done by 930. So then we would take a little, go take a stock and, um, Mm -hmm. and check it. And then there was another list of things that had to be done before dinner. So those kinds of things is, I don't know if this is the kind of an answer you're looking for, but I just, yeah, no, that's great. That's great. Um, it can be very lonely to be a homemaker. It can be not always. Uh, was that something that you ever experienced? Yes, but I loved having friends over and I did make that a high priority. Mm. We sat down and talked and the kids played and we drank tea. <laughs> and as the children grew up and as we went through the empty nest, well, the first two left and then we had the second two remaining I got a reputation as being the tea lady. <laughs> so whenever we had company over by 8.30 or 9, 9.30, I would get out the tea and we would have tea. So this was also a daily routine for me. My dad emigrated from Ireland and as a graduation gift... He sent me, graduation from college, he sent me to Belfast to visit my family there. Oh, wow. And I got to watch the tea and uh, how, they, how they did meals and how they ate. And in Ireland, they ate five times a day. They had breakfast. They had elevenses. Mm-hmm. They had dinner at one, usually the largest meal. Then they had tea at five and supper at eight. Oh my goodness. So that is how they ate every day. And I just saw the tea coming out. Not too many hours would go by and it would come out and it was wonderful. So it wasn't elaborate. It wasn't fancy. The cookies were store-bought cookies from the local bakery, Mm -hmm. but it was something I carried with me from the day I graduated from college. What a wonderful experience. That's an amazing gift that he gave you. I didn't realize that he had immigrated from yes. Ireland. Yes. So did other than the tea, um, mm-hmm. did that experience, how long did you stay there and visit with the Just family? a few weeks. I think three weeks uh, during that summer. So how did, how, are, were there any other ways that that experience impacted your homemaking or? Well, there again, it was uh, um, the simplicity mm-hmm. of it. Well, um, my aunt, who, and, and her husband and my uncle, my aunt and uncle came to pick me up at the airport, and life was all about getting on the road and showing me sights and picnicking and going places and just talk, 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 talk. And wow, I couldn't, I, I can't imagine not having that experience in my past. It was so wonderful. Do you think that being with them, because you you talked a little bit about, and we'll talk some more about hospitality, but how hospitality is very important to you. So, I mean, they showed you hospitality for three weeks mm-hmm. in their way. So was that impactful on you? Yes, it was. And it was 
there again, I hate using the word so much, but it was simple and uh, sweet and much more focused on the togetherness Mm -hmm. of it. No, I love that you're using that word simple because (laughs) I think we tend to get caught up in, um, we just, we can overcomplicate things. Not that it's, it's fine to really get into making a beautiful table setting and getting elaborate with, Mm -hmm. you know, your flowers or your food or whatever, when you're going to have people over, but they're not there just to eat your food. You Mm -hmm. know, they're there to visit. They're there because maybe they're lonely or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever reason that you've chosen to open your home to them and show hospitality. It's really about the relationships. And so I think a lot of people feel like they can't show hospitality until their house looks just so, or they have the right dishes or they have the right cooking skills. And Mm -hmm. that's not true. That's right. At all. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's not true at all. So I love that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. During a certain period of years from about early thirties to mid forties, I struggled with migraine headaches Mm. and I I know they were hormonal Mm -hmm. and it definitely was something passed down from my mother, but those hormonal headaches would be exacerbated by stress. Mm -hmm. So homemaking and company at a holiday time, Mm. like Thanksgiving, when I'd have 20 people come on a particular year or Christmas time. I would I would be in bed for several days mm-hmm. afterwards. And I'm so grateful that I had, well, I give the credit to God and them. The kids really stepped up to the plate. Mm. The older children brought me what I needed to the bedroom, and they said, Mom, just rest, and we'll take care of it. Oh. We'll, we'll take care of everything. And after about... Mm, two and a half, three days, I would it would be gone, it would be over, and I would be up and rare to go again. Mm-hmm. But the challenges of homemaking were the stress of more people than just a handful mm-hmm. at a like a holiday time. Yeah, yeah. Well, that brings us into the next section, which is talking about hospitality, and mm-hmm. that's kind of it seems to be the theme that we have here going. <laughs> and and I know you love to show hospitality to others. So, what are some ways? besides the tea dates with the, with the other moms, that you would extend the offer of welcome and belonging to the people outside of your immediate family? We love to have Bible studies at our home. Mm-hmm. We would get involved in the political uh, discourse, and we would have sometimes candidates, political candidates come. Wow. And invite some people in for that. We loved having people just come last minute for uh, an evening of popcorn. So it didn't have to be planned way way ahead. Um, hospitality to me is sanity. Mm. I keep my equilibrium with the joy of people in my home. Have you always been a people person? Yes, but when I take the when I take the um, 
personality tests, I come out right in the middle between an introvert and an extrovert because I really need time to decompress. And so that's why when I first became a homemaker after teaching for seven years, uh, the four walls of my home were a cocoon of regrouping and meeting the Lord in a really sweet way. Mm-hmm. So I do both. That's great. Balance. Mm-hmm. It's important. Mm-hmm. It's important. Um, if you were opening up your home for, for a popcorn visit, did people, was it, would you say that you had sort of an open home policy, like people could just drop in or was that ever something that you practiced regularly or did you always plan them at least a little bit? Well, you know, I think that era just slightly preceded us. We were in the 60s, 70s, 80s when uh, nobody did that. Right, right. People began to be more distant from their neighbors. They might not even know who was across the street. It Mm -hmm. took um, definite um, intentionality to know your neighbor. My parents' generation was a little bit different. People dropped in Mm -hmm. on each other. I'm I'm sad. I'm Mm -hmm. sad that we're out of the era of drop-in. Right. I think that that we're missing something Mm -hmm. with that. Yeah. How would you say that your role as a homemaker has changed over time? I bake a lot less. (laughs) (laughs) I love to go and buy my baking and not worry that I'm going to have people that I love and respect look down their nose at me and go, that's terrible. I just feel like the uh, pressure isn't worth it. So I bake when I want to, but I bake a lot less. And before, it really was a matter of saving money because you could bake for pennies. Mm -hmm. You could turn out the most incredible lemon meringue pie for less than a dollar. Very little, yeah. Way less than a dollar. But going out and buying a lemon meringue pie is a little bit more. So that's the season that I'm in where I can actually go out and buy those things. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I, so that's one thing that's changed. Another thing that's changed is I just have way too many clothes, way, way more clothes than I need. And therefore I can do a lot less laundry. I can, my husband and I can easily go two weeks without running the washing machine. Uh-huh. And I like that. That's a nice season to be in. That is a great season to be in. So we are... Definitely enjoying having a tidier home. And oh my goodness, I can wake up in the morning and I can say, I would like to rearrange some lamps and, you know, just do it because I don't have the pressure of so many other things to do when the kids were at home. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. How, how would you say the season that you're in right now, your empty nest um, it's just you and your husband. So how do you still fulfill your role as a homemaker in, in your life today? How are, how are you challenging yourself to grow and learn as a homemaker? Okay. This is kind of a multi-part question. 
And then how are you intentionally passing on your knowledge and sharing what you know about homemaking with the ladies coming behind you? Well, I wonder sometimes how open the young ladies coming behind are Mm. to being instructed. It seems to me it's going to have to be caught more than taught. So my intentionality is to be an example of a homemaker to my daughters who are grown yeah. and my, my daughters-in-law. It's a wonderful time of life to be able to pursue a ministry, to pursue writing talents that, as an English teacher, I never had time mm-hmm. to do. And as a mother of young children, I journaled, but now I have time to write about my life, to write memoir, to really hone those skills. Mm -hmm. And as a homemaker, just enjoy the day-to-day sweetness of my home, whereas before I couldn't put on music and fold a load of laundry. Now I can put on a podcast and fold a load of laundry mm-hmm. and bask in that quietness. So the biggest change is being more free mm-hmm. to have the kind of a environment that I want. Mm-hmm. So that environment would include... Just looking around and saying, what's missing? What would I like to add? What would make what would make the house feel cozy, more cozy than mm-hmm. it is, cozier? Mm-hmm. And go out and hunt for that, mm-hmm. for that object. And when couples come over and sit down, we just talk and enjoy um, a store-bought pie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's great. That's good. That's good. Um, we're going to do some rapid fire questions, but before we do that, I, I want to let you expound a little bit on this thing that you've mentioned a couple of times, which is thrift mm-hmm. and your love of practicing thrift, even maybe when you don't necessarily have to mm-hmm. at this stage in your life. Uh, mm-hmm. So how has that played a role in your homemaking thrift, loving thrift thrift? Okay. So it's a gene. Okay. Thrift is a gene, and I got it from the Bowen family. My aunts took it to um, a level of embarrassment. (laughs) (laughs) And so I fight against the gene, and I try hard to be a giver and not have to be so much of a non-consumer. But... I give myself a very, very low budget for primping, nails, hair, and things like that for my for my body. I give myself a very low budget for clothing. M- my observation is the world has too much clo- too much clothing. Yeah, the world is overflowing with clothing, and clothing clogs the. Uh, landfills. Mm -hmm. The landfills are literally overflowing with clothes. Mm -hmm. Ever since we took textiles over to um, third world countries. Right. So, therefore, 
I find it very advantageous to spend so little, very, very little mm-hmm. on clothing and get really good stuff. Yeah. Uh, hunting for it is a hobby. Mm-hmm. And hunting for the furniture that we need in um, Salvation Armies and Goodwills is, is uh, a delight and a joy. And, of course, I don't throw food away. Mm. I am my comadre, which is a term that I made up, the grandmother of my grandchildren. In other words, my daughter-in-law's mom. Yes. She and I are very, very close friends. Mm-hmm. And she comes from Scotland. Oh, okay. So I have an Irish background. She has a Scottish background. We share the whole tea thing, the whole British Man, thing. What are the odds of that? And she is, she has the gene. And okay. we, we together are a hoot. I'm sure. When we were in the mountains of Colorado, where their thriftiness allowed them to own a gorgeous chalet. Mm-hmm. I made brownies, left them in the oven too long, high altitude. Oh, yeah. And they came out literally like bricks. (laughs) And I chipped away a few pieces, ate them, and put them in the trash. She came in behind me, saw them in the trash, and said, oh, no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. This is delicious. She chipped it all out of the pan and put it in bags and proceeded to serve it. And this is something that it wasn't like charred. It was just really dry. So it had a different texture. It wasn't, it wasn't what she considered to be garbage. And I feel like one of the things that our culture does is it throws away good stuff. Yeah, definitely. So much good stuff. So I try to be balanced. It's a very big challenge to be balanced. And my children laugh at me because I do crazy things. And I will not go into all of those crazy things. <laughs> but did you train your children in thriftiness? In other words, did you go? We shopped at Goodwill when my, mm-hmm. I had three boys. Mm-hmm. And to keep those three boys in clothes that didn't have holes all over them. It would have been extremely expensive if I bought Mm -hmm. new stuff all the time. And I just couldn't justify that when there was perfectly good jeans and things at Goodwill. And that's what we did. And they bucked a little bit against that when they got to be teenagers. But now they all love to thrift. I am the same. My kids are, they love it. Yeah, They are all into it. So I guess I passed on Mm -hmm. the gene. Well, good for you. That's great. I think that's a good accomplishment. Yes. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing your your thrifty stories. (laughs) So let's move on to our little rapid fire. Uh, Quick answers just for fun here. Homemaking tasks. All right. You ready? Mm Mm-hmm. One you love. I love doing laundry. Wow. You are a (laughs) unicorn. (laughs) Good. One you hate. I hate toilets. Oh, well, I'm, I'm with you there on that one. And I really don't love grocery shopping. I have to get out, get the car out of the garage, oh, go in, yeah. go out in all weather. That's not my favorite. Okay. So what about one you grew to love? I grew to love mopping floors. Oh. Hmm. Do you know that when I mop my floor... 
a, f- a smile goes across my face and I'm not even aware of it. <laughs> it's the coolest thing. Okay, I know it's rapid fire, but what kind of mop do you use? I have to know. I use the kind that has a little squirter uh-huh. and I can, it's Velcro and I can pull the Velcro piece off and throw it in the wash. Okay. Yes. Great. Does it have mm-hmm. a little, do you mix up the stuff yes. and you put mm-hmm. it in the- It's got, it's got a, a little bottle reservoir. that attach, mm-hmm. a little reservoir, and I pull that off and fill it up and then put it back on. And then that little Velcro thing comes off and I can wash it. I like that thing. What a wonderful invention. Those were beyond the ringing the, the mm-hmm. mop, the rope mop thing out. I'm so glad that we are moved past that. Mm-hmm. Great. All right. How about your worst homemaking fail? Oh my goodness. One year we decided to bake bread, which I had honed down to perfection. My bread was weekly laid out on the counter in beautiful, beautiful, um, mounded row. It's just beautiful. And, and, um, my husband made cutting boards out of wood that we cut Mm -hmm. in the mountains during that era of our lives. That's another whole interview. Yeah. The, era, the mountains era. Oh my goodness. And we bought beautiful bread knives and we were going to give a bread, a cutting board, a bread knife, and a beautiful loaf of bread to everyone in our immediate family, my my husband's siblings and whoever we were would be with at that Christmas family. They all received them and I had one that I was going to save for our family, and when I cut into it, it had no salt. Oh, no. It looked good Mm -hmm. when you cut it, but when you tasted that, it was horrible. (laughs) Absolutely horrible. It was the worst bread to look good that I had ever made. Oh, no. And I was just just mortified, totally mortified. That was my worst homemaking fail. And you had already given all those loaves away. Oh, yes. They oh. had all unwrapped them at Christmas. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. That's terrible. <laughs> of course, everybody was gracious and didn't say anything, but I had to do a family letter and explain. Oh. <laughs> I made a great big joke out of it. You have to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have to do that. Did you ever get to redeem uh, your bread baking? Oh no, I never skills. attempted that. No, again. no, no. We had to move on from there. <laughs> oh boy! But they had all been in our home, and they knew that my bread was normally good. Okay, well, that's good. That, that's something. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Let's talk about a memorable homemaking achievement. Well, this one is so fun. And so unusual, when Walt and I moved to Texas, we bought a property that was a horse property and had several buildings that they put stables in. And we bought it for an investment not to have horses. So eventually, when we were um, up against a wall after my cancer, with no insurance, because my, my diagnosis came right after we moved here, so I had no insurance. It looked like we were going to lose this property. We decided to take those stables and make them into apartments. We had to do it on credit cards, so it was really, really, really high interest Mm -hmm. loans. And it was on faith 
that we could increase our cash flow and be able to pay our bills. Mm-hmm. And God graciously helped us do that. So these stables, bit by bit, one by one, turned into apartments. Mm-hmm. And I was able to decorate them for people to move into. As for they, we, we furnished them. Mm-hmm. In the early days, we had a certain market we were going after. And it was people who were transitioning from leaving home, leaving their parents' home, young people leaving their parents' home, and getting a job in the area. Mm-hmm. So I got to decorate those apartments. And as the years went on, we eventually took out the furniture because people would like to have their own things. And many, many people passed through. First of all, there were two, then there were three. And now we have eight apartments. Mm. They're not furnished except for two. We have two that are Airbnb, and I furnish those and decorate those. And stepping into a doorway of a living space that I'm not going to live in, but somebody else is going to live in and saying, oh, it's so cute. And all of it, everything from thrift stores, Mm. everything. Dish, mm. every piece of silverware. Oh, that would be so fun. It was so fun. That's great. And I would say that's probably, even though I enjoy doing my own house, doing those apartments was a great. Because you were making a home for somebody else to yes. enjoy. And that's, yes. that's what a fun experience that you And got to do helping that. my husband with income. Right. right. And I wanted to be, I wanted to be a homemaker and a helper to our family income. Yeah. yeah. That was a great desire of mine. Great. How, how do you feel that homemaking is an art? Homemaking needs to be seen as an art in order to be truly enjoyed. Mm. Because it's hard. It's hard to make all of the pieces of the puzzle fit together in the daily routine. Mm -hmm. So if you balance the art part and the hard work part, you have something that is enjoyable. So the art of homemaking is making a pretty table. The art of homemaking is making a room balance with the weight of the furniture and the style that you're going after even an eclectic style will have a a little bit of a theme running through it mm-hmm. and it's all art it's so much art to organizing your day i see life as art yeah and then when you throw in the music and you throw in what you put on the wall you have something that says God has given us something amazing in which to just live and work out the difficulties of life because life is absolutely difficult. Mm -hmm. Relationships are difficult. Mm -hmm. And things that are curveballs thrown at us Mm -hmm. are difficult. Illnesses, terrible, terrible tragedies that we've lost a grandchild to death. We've had so many things come at us. And when we just 
sit down at night and are able to be in a place where the Holy Spirit dwells in sweetness and that I've put a little bit of effort into, mm-hmm. it's art. Yes, that's a great answer. How can homemakers find beauty in the midst of work that can often feel mundane and monotonous? We talked a little bit about this already. Um, attitude. Yes. Gratefulness. Yes. Simplicity. Taking away perfection. Mm-hmm. Rejecting perfection. All it is is going to create illness, terrible illness and stress. So we find beauty in the midst of work that feels mundane by being grateful for it. Now, we talked about the value, obviously, that being a homemaker brings to your family, to your husband and to your children and the people that live under your roof. But what about the the value that homemaking, the occupation of homemaking brings to communities and to society? I think it brings order and a sense of sanity to society. Home, a place to rest and sleep and eat, makes people, gives them the recharging to go out and earn money and do things that they have to do mm-hmm. outside the home. Mm-hmm. So it's huge value. There, there's no way to, there's no way to put a um, a dollar value on it or mm-hmm. any kind of price. It's just huge. Yeah, when you don't have the security of a a place to lay your head, um, that is peaceful and mm-hmm. restful, um, then you're distracted mm-hmm. and you can't really do a whole lot mm-hmm. to pour into other people. Right. Yeah. Where can people find you online, Sandy? <laughs> I can be found at morninginautumn.wordpress.com. It is my blog and I have a book that is called A Time to Embrace, and you can buy that on Amazon. Great, great. And we will definitely be having to have you back to talk about mm-hmm. your book and your ministry mm-hmm. through that book, because that's a whole other topic that is mm-hmm. important to homemaking. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk. Thank you for having me. Yes, enjoyed it. Okay. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. We hope you're leaving here inspired and encouraged that the work you're doing at home really matters. Would you take a few moments and leave us a review on Apple Podcast? It helps so much for other homemakers to find us. If you just leave a few words or uh, some stars, then it moves us up in the queue so that when people do a search for things like homemaking or stay-at-home mom or any of those titles, we'll be more likely to pop up. If you have any questions or comments about anything you've heard on the podcast today, you can send us an email, contact at theartofhomepodcast.com. Everything we mentioned here today, again, is available in the show notes resources, how to contact Sandy, 
You can find all of that in the description box of your podcast listener, but you can also find it at our website, theartofhomepodcast.com. This is season one, episode two, Simple Homemaking with Sandra Goforth. Until next time, keep practicing your art of making a home.